Welcome to Tech Junior. Hey everyone, we've got another great show for you today. Um, today we're going to talk about Advent of Code. Lee used it over the holidays to learn Python. We're going to ask him some questions about it, what he learned, if he had rather done in JavaScript, things like that. Um, if you want to support the show, please go over to techjunior.dev and subscribe to our newsletter. You can click support and check out our Patreon. Uh, we also have some swag available. Um, you can also tweet us at Tech Junior Podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, tell all your friends, things like that. Thanks a lot and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Uh, let's get into it. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Warwick Jr. I'm a developer. <laughs> we got Eddie. <laughs> hey, I'm Eddie. Uh, I'm a front end developer. And uh, today we're going to talk about Advent of Code. So um, Advent of Code is a set of challenges uh, that you can do in any kind of programming language, up to and including Excel or a sheet of paper if you're a total maniac. Um, really? A sheet of paper? I, yeah, somebody actually did it on paper, but um, at least some of them. Uh, but yeah, so it is a, just like uh, children would open like a calendar full of chocolates, like one a day until Christmas. Uh, you can get one coding problem every day until uh, Christmas, starting in December. So I did the uh, the one for 2019. It is uh, 2020, and we were going to talk about what I learned and, and what happened. So what do you want to know, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. How'd you find it first? Okay, so uh, I had never heard of this before. Um, we've been developers for almost two years now, right? Something uh, so, like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's at least been one Christmas uh, before this last one. And I didn't hear of it then. Um, but since we're in all these like coding communities and on Twitter and all this good stuff, uh, when December rolled around, lo and behold, they, people started talking about editing code. And um, a lot of people decide to learn a new language with it. Uh, basically like an excuse to pick up a new a new language. So that was my motivation behind it. I was like, yeah, why not? I'll jump on this bandwagon. And so I decided to do Python since it's kind of been a, a goal uh, for a while now to, to get more experience with it. And so that's what I did. And it was ridiculously hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, what kind of problems were they uh, giving you? So um, I think a lot of people, they talk about, like, hacker rank and leak code and whatnot. And really, like, if you jumped on hacker rank right now and you, you were like, give me a JavaScript question or give me a Python question, it's going to give you something that's like, take this input that's a, I don't know, like a word or a sentence or something and reverse the sentence or, or something like that. And if you're totally new to Python, that's a challenge in and of itself, right? Because you don't know the syntax, you don't know how to store variables, like what kind of helper methods you have or strings or arrays or lists or whatever. And so it's kind of challenging. But with advent of code, it's like, uh, hey, you've got... 30 different modules with 30 different weights for this rocket and you need to calculate the fuel capacity for like each module based on its weight plus the weight of the fuel and it becomes like this recursive problem and that's like day one so wow uh, yeah it it's definitely um a challenge uh it gets way worse than that <laughs> believe it or <laughs> not uh day one was actually not bad i was able to um 
to do it in Python and JavaScript. And so um, originally I set out and I said, I'm going to do this in JavaScript and Python and make videos of it, like of my solutions. And that was like my way to keep myself honest and not give up because if people saw like, hey, Lee's doing advent of code and he got to day three and then there was no day four. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I guess he failed, <laughs> right? So how so, many videos uh, did you actually do? I, I did all the challenges. So there okay. was 25 of them. I made uh, 27 videos. No, 29 videos. Uh, one that was just like an explanatory, here's what Advent of Code is. One that was my retrospective. And then 25 in Python and two in JavaScript. So I did, oh, okay. the, uh, I did the third day <laughs> um, and I cracked it in Python and I was like, nope, not rewriting this in JavaScript. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, word of advice out there, if you're considering doing Advent of Code, do it in one language or at least get, abandon all hopes of... Uh, getting it done on time if you're doing more than one language so okay so problems are not uh anything that's going to really help you at work or just yeah so that's your perspective that's a good point right because like you and i do a lot of front-end work and um a lot of these leak code problems and stuff you know you look at them and you're like this is dumb i don't need to know how to do a binary sort or search or whatever or I don't need to know about linked lists, for instance, because we mm -hmm. have JavaScript or we have Python or whatever. And a lot of those problems have already been solved for us. Um, another thing is the data set that we're usually working with as front-end developers is typically pretty small. So you may have like an API call and the API gives you like, I don't know, a hundred results, right? That's not a large amount of data. Um, with advent of code they give you like ten thousand results or something or a number that's like in the hundreds of trillions so wow. all of a sudden you're worried about like man what's the you know what's the runtime of this algorithm that i just wrote because if i do it wrong it'll literally never finish it'll take like literal years for the computer to crunch the numbers or it'll have like a stack overflow and you'll just run out of memory so mm. that's a really interesting part of doing advent of code and I think a really useful thing to kind of get under your belt is, you know, being able to work with some of those problems. And I mean, they're out there. It's just not something that, you know, you're going to handle as a UI developer very often, if at all. Okay. So going into it, I was like, these problems are all dumb and this is basically just for fun. Yeah. But as I started doing them and like started hitting roadblocks, I was like, I really suck at algorithms and at data structures because I was just, you know, I'm a JavaScript person. So I just use an array for everything. And okay. all of a sudden, like on day three, you're comparing 10,000 uh, length arrays against each other. And so all of a sudden you have like this exponentially large loop that you're doing where you're doing, okay, for each thing in this array, that's 10,000 objects long. I'm going to go search the other array that's 10,000 objects long. So now you have like this n squared complexity that just goes bananas, right? Like a factorial complexity or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what the big O notation of some of these algorithms that I wrote was, but I found out the hard way whether or not they were going to work because <laughs> I would run the problem and be like, okay, I know that this should work based on like the examples that they gave me, 
but whenever you increase the the size of the data, all of a sudden it's like a hard stop, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, this has been running for three minutes. I guess I don't have the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So how did you, what, what, what was your process to get the right answer? Okay, so what's really cool about Advent of Code um, and you don't always get this with like leak code and hacker rank problems and stuff is they'll give you example data. Um, typically like every problem will have its own test cases basically. So like looking at uh, day one, which is the, the rocket module fuel thing, they'll, okay. they tell you like right after they explain the problem, okay, for a mass of 12, um, you're going to divide by three and round down to get four and then subtract two to get two. Um, and then later on, they're like, okay, and then for a mass of 1969, the fuel is going to be 654. For a mass of 100,756, it's going to be 33,583. So they give you all these, like, basically test cases that are, um, like, solutions. And then the real input is like much larger or much more complicated than that or a lot more steps or something like that and so basically if you break it down to okay i'm going to solve for the test cases and then try the actual data um you can get a lot farther with it yeah okay of course that, that is sense. how i got into trouble with the uh the list versus the list problem where i had like <laughs> ten thousand points compared against another ten thousand points so Wow. Yeah, that one was running for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your uh, favorite day? Oh, man. Easily uh, my favorite day was, um, I think it was day 13. It was called um, Care Package. Yeah, day 13. Okay. Uh, it was actually a Friday the 13th, if I remember correctly. But this one was awesome. Um, basically... With Advent of Code, they have you building a, it's called an encode computer, which I'm not totally familiar with, but basically you're building up a piece of software to crunch numbers, and they give you an input that's a big list of numbers. So it's like, you know, a thousand numbers in a list or, or an array or whatever. And you have to parse that from the text file and then uh, run that with the software that they tell you to build. So like starting on day two, you start building an encode computer. And what it's supposed to do is basically look at those values in that list, like four at a time and do different things with them. Um, like compare the two numbers in the middle or, you know, jump forward a couple of spots or something like that. And they build on that every other day, almost until around day 10 or 11, where you build the whole thing. Like it has all the features that it needs. And so at that point, um, once you do that, they throw you these problems that are, okay, here's an encode program, which is just a giant array of numbers, and it's going to run, and you have to do something with it. So for day 13, <laughs> which is crazy, it was a breakout game. So it, it actually ran in the terminal. and That's cool. Um, I was like, no no way, you know, because the part, the other thing is like, these are all part one, part two. So usually part one is is pretty straightforward. And you can usually get it with like, you know, the dumb solution basically, or the unoptimized solution. And then part two is like where the, where the, the heat kicks in basically. And they're like, all right, now take what you did in number one and do this with it. And it's like, whoa, now you got to think about, 
you know, either they increase the complexity or they, they bump up the data set or something like that. Um, so for part one of this one, it's like, okay, you get an arcade cabinet or something that the elves sent to you or something, and you need to like count how many tiles uh, it prints whenever it loads the game. So that one was super easy. You know, you just run it and it spits out a number and you're like, okay, great. And then from there, it's like, hey, now you need to change um, the second number in the array that they give you to two to represent two quarters to put into the arcade cabinet. And then from there, it says like, okay, you can give it an input of one to move the paddle right and a negative one to go left or zero to not move the paddle. And it will actually play this game and you're supposed to get like the answer for that day is the score whenever you beat the game. And I was like, there's no way that these guys gave me a big list of numbers and it's playing breakout. And so <laughs> I sat down and I coded basically a terminal um, printing version of this to where uh, when you run it, it will print the the basically the screen of the game with the paddle and the ball. And sure enough, when I ran it, yeah, you could literally play Breakout in in your terminal, like in Git Bash or whatever you're using, ZSH or, or whatever. Um, and I even hooked it up so that like Python has a really easy method called input where you just like hit a letter on your keyboard and hit enter or whatever. And it will take your keyboard input and pass it into your program. Um, and it's a blocking operation. So um, kind of like... A, I forget what it's called. Node has another one. Um, kind of like prompt for like the browser where okay. you're like, hey, ask for a thing and it, it pops up a dialog box with, you know, you type in something. It's like that for the terminal with Python. Oh, I know what you're talking about, the Node thing. Um, I forgot the name of it. Yeah, Node has a package <laughs> that's like all promises and stuff and it'll like yeah. pause the program and ask for input. Python has that built in. So basically I keyed it up to... Um, to work off of the Z and X on your keyboard. And so uh -huh. you could hit Z and then enter and it would move the paddle left and X would move it right or just hit enter and it wouldn't move. And so I could actually play breakout. And so I started playing it and it's actually pretty hard. Uh, the paddle is like one character wide and the ball is one character wide. So usually with breakout the paddles a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but the thing had collision detection built into it. It like was keeping score. It would like remove the tiles um, in the middle, wherever you hit them with the ball, uh, it was insane. It would bounce off the walls and off your paddle and stuff in the correct directions. So how would you win? Cause I, you showed me like you playing this thing. It was kind of difficult. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So basically playing it, like I played it and I was doing pretty good, but I was playing it for like five minutes and you're supposed to basically, um, hit all the blocks, you know, just like a, I don't know who out there is not familiar with breakout, but um, it's like Pong. Yeah, it's an old game. Yeah, Pong, but you're playing against yourself. And then like the, there's a bunch of bricks above you that you can break with the ball. And there's yeah. like one, um, you're in like a, a three-sided square where the paddle is on the open side. And if the ball gets past the paddle, you lose. Yeah. Uh, but it'll bounce off the walls and just hit the blocks in the middle. So you have to hit all the blocks, but in the, uh, in the puzzle, there was like a hundred blocks or, or more. Um, so it was going to take me like probably a half hour or 45 minutes to actually play it to get the score and beat that level and get the answer. 
So I was like, first of all, nobody probably sat down or maybe not a lot of people <laughs> sat down and actually coded this. So it printed the game and like visualized it. Uh, so I, I was like, man, I should automate this basically. And so what I did was, um, because I was printing out all the blocks and getting the input from the program or the output that tells me like where everything is in the grid, I just did a comparison of where the paddle was to where the ball was. And so if the ball was to the right of the paddle, move the paddle right. And if it's to the left, move it left. And so okay. basically when the ball is moving, the paddle just follows it. Okay. And so doing that, um, it just runs to completion. So, um, yeah, well, I actually, I, I set it to do that. And so it was running automatically and because it takes the computer, a lot of processing to actually print to the terminal. I was like watching it run and the ball bouncing all over the place and just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And I was like, man, I guess I should not print the actual game to the screen and run it. <laughs> and so when you do that, it takes like a couple seconds and then it spits out the answer. So, oh, okay. but yeah, that was, uh, that totally blew my mind. I, I didn't expect that at all. Um, I thought they were all going to be like dumb math problems. Yeah. Uh, and there were a couple of math problems in there, but just to like, I was not only amazed that they were able to program that with using just a giant array of numbers, um, but they got me to program that and actually print stuff to the terminal. So there was um, the breakout game. There was a couple of mazes where um, you basically coded like pathfinding algorithms to, you know, find whatever you're looking for in the maze. Um, there was ones where you would, uh, like you had to program a robot to draw like letters on your spaceship and, or something like that. And so it would print out, like I visualized it. So it would print out the letters in the terminal. Um, one was like cool. a tractor beam and you have to figure out like whether or not a spaceship fits in the tractor beam. Um, one of them has you code your own basically like programming language so oh really yeah yeah so running on the encode computer um they give you a they tell you like you have a, a robot that's supposed to jump over holes basically when you jump over the uh the holes like you're coding an algorithm to do that or not and so uh they have you code up like a scripting language where you okay. can give it like um three instructions at a time or something um, and I, I can't remember which day that was, I think it was set it and forget it. Is that the one with the blinking? Well, at least it looked like it was blinking, following a path. It was, uh, going around the screen. No, that, that was set it and forget it. This one is spring droid okay. adventure. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So the, the way that, um, it looked was you would give it a, a language input. That's like not a J not B T. And like J and T are like your variables and then A, B, C, and D are like how many spaces in front of the robot. So like that would be like uh, space D, uh, four spaces. And then at the end where you tell it walk, um, it looks at the value of J and if J is true, then it jumps. Right. So it would give an input where it's like printing out all these hashtags and like an at symbol telling you uh basically it said if the robot dies <laughs> if it falls in a hole it'll print 
um, the last moments of its life. So it basically shows okay. you all these cases where it falls into a hole if you screw up the algorithm. Otherwise, it gives you a number. So what's really cool about this is, one, like you are passing in these uh, values as ASCII as like a big list of numbers. So the NP yeah. pro- program only runs a list of numbers. And so you have to convert text to ASCII. So like entire sentences or basically basically this whole script. Um, and then like a 10 uh, ASCII value is like new line character. So you'd code up that script plus walk uh, with a new line and it would run that as numbers in int code and then give you the output that's like, hey, your robot died <laughs> and here's how it died. Uh, because it didn't jump over this hole or whatever. Um, and so this was like a really tough one, but basically like once I sat down and tinkered with this script enough, I found a couple solutions to it. Um, okay. And then for part two, it all of a sudden you have to look like nine spaces ahead instead of four. So it gets way harder. Um, there's a lot more test cases where the robot can like look ahead and decide, should I dump? Should I jump or should I not jump? Um, but yeah, I was able to get it. And my code for that, um, I actually took uh, text input because I got so good at reading text input from a file. I went ahead and made like my own script file for it. And so it would go through and read like, here's all your numbers or here's all your inputs. Um, go ahead and take that converted to ASCII and plug it into the program and see if it works. So, okay, cool. Yeah. And then, like, I ended up adding, like, a little script that would, like, let me comment out parts of my script with a, a hashtag, just like you would do in um, Python or, like, YAML or something like that. So, I ended up getting, like, really into it. And I didn't think that I would because, like I said at the beginning, when I first started this out, I was like, man, these are a bunch of dumb leak code problems. And I'm a front end developer <laughs> and I don't need to know that. You know what I mean? Cool. So, um, so what do you think of uh, Python now? So when I started out, I kind of, um, like when I first looked at Python, I was like, I can't deal with the no curly braces because, yeah. you know, we had, uh, we've only done JavaScript, right? And that's a C language and everything is curly braces and closing curly brace and blocks and all that stuff. And Python is not that. It's indents. Um so if you have like too much of an indent, it freaks out at you. Or if you don't indent, it freaks out. And that's like a huge difference. But once I started learning it, um, we did some workshops uh, last year where we yeah. uh, we sat down and tried it. And I, I thought it was pretty neat then. But then when I sat down and, and did it this time, I really realized that it's very similar to JavaScript. Um, they're both high level languages. They do a lot for you. They're pretty loose as far as types and stuff. Um, Python's a little bit more strict than JavaScript. Um, mm-hmm. it'll like delineate between a float and a, uh, an int value. Um, whereas JavaScript's just kind of like whatever numbers a number, even though internally it has its own types. Um, but yeah, like it has closures just like JavaScript. It has classes. Um, so I ended up getting into all that stuff. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really like Python. That's cool. So would you, um, you said it was difficult. Super difficult. Would you think it, it was so difficult. I snapped a pen in half on like day four or five. (laughs) 
Do you think if you did it in JavaScript, dude, it, it wouldn't be any easier, right? So that, that's an interesting point. Um, the problems are hard, right? It doesn't matter what language you're yeah. doing them in. Even though there are people out there that did them in like Excel. And that guy is a psychopath. I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. Uh, I know he's like really into Excel, but he was making like, you know how people make computers and stuff in Minecraft? This yes. dude did it in Excel, basically. He had like cells in his spreadsheet that were like uh, bits and bytes. So that guy's a, a complete maniac. But to answer your question, um, yeah, if I did, if I had done it in JavaScript, I probably would have done some of them a little bit faster. Um, particularly like days, the first half of the problems, like days w- one through twelve, probably, I would have done way mm-hmm. faster because I kept running into stuff where. Like in Python, um, you don't declare a variable. You can't just say like, okay, I'm making a variable. You have to okay. like make a variable and assign it a value. So, Oh, I see what you Yeah, mean. so with JavaScript, you're just like var, and JavaScript's like, oh, cool, you're making a variable, whatever. I'll put undefined in there if you don't give me anything. Python, you can't yeah. do that. It just freaks out. It's like, hey, you just made a variable for no reason. And so it doesn't want you to do that. So basically, whenever you do put a value in a variable, it like magically creates the variable at the same time. And so if you want a variable in the global scope, you have to give it some kind of BS value like none, which is basically the null in Python. Null. Okay. But then if you want to overwrite that variable in like a function or something, you have to declare in the function like, hey, when I say banana... Banana is a global variable. And so you have to use like a keyword for that, like globals, banana. And then it goes and looks outside. And I didn't know that. And I had so many bugs for like the first (laughs) seven or eight days of of Advent of Code where I was like trying to do stuff like that. And Python was just like giving me grief about it. And it was nothing to do with like my algorithm or the problem or anything like that. It was just, I've never done Python before and, and I sucked at it basically. Oh, okay. But like after wow. that, when I got good at Python and I understood all those pitfalls, I was like whipping through problems. I did um, 23, 24, and 25 all in the same day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Would you recommend this for someone learning a new language? If you're an experienced programmer, um, like you've been doing it for a little bit, you understand functions and variables and whatnot. Uh, programming isn't new to you. Yeah, why not? It's kind of a fun thing because a lot of the tutorials out there, if you jump on like Free Code Camp, for instance, not to bash them or anything, but let's say you're, you want to learn JavaScript and you jump on Free Code Camp, but you already know Java or something. The first like 10 or 20 lessons are going to be like, this is how you make a variable. This is how you make a function. You know what I mean? And that stuff is so yeah. boring. Um, I remember trying to learn Python before I even became a developer and trying to learn it like in my own spare time. And it was exactly that. It was like you jump on code Academy or something and it's like, here's a variable, here's a function. And they don't challenge you with anything like, Hey, go build this and then fail. at yeah. it. And then you're like, ah, oh, I failed. I need to, what am I doing wrong? You know, like that's the whole learning process, but they kind of steal yeah. that from you whenever you're just like shown the syntax, you know, that's, that's maybe the worst. It's like, teaching somebody to speak English by having them read the dictionary or something like, Hey, go memorize these thousand words and then come back to me and we'll talk. No, like 
if anything, you're going to be like, here's a dictionary, talk to me in English. And then you look it up as you go. That's like the best way to learn programming. So doing that with, with this, it was like, I was motivated by trying to solve that problem. I knew the steps that I had to take to solve it. I just didn't know the syntax for it. And then later on, okay. I knew the syntax for it, but I didn't understand what the heck I was supposed to do. <laughs> so because <laughs> the, um, the problems just got insane, like crazy, just like I got a false sense of security from like the first two days because okay. I solved those in like, I don't know, a couple minutes or something. And then like day three, like the rubber hit the road and it was, it was basically <laughs> game on from there. So how long did the puzzles usually take? Some of them I solved in maybe like an hour or two. Some of them took me days. Like oh, wow. I would sit down and read it and the instructions are like a whole page of text. So it's, it's almost like a whole story. Um, basically the, the hook of Advent of Code or whatever is like, you're trying to save Santa. And so for this year, um, Santa like left the galaxy or something and his ship ran out of fuel and you have to go find him. And so like every day it's like, okay, you landed on Pluto and the Plutonian civilization used to love building mazes. And so here's this giant maze you find yourself stuck in and you have to go and get a key to open a door and like a key is a lowercase letter and a door is an uppercase letter. And you need to find the fastest way through the maze, collecting all the keys and opening the doors. And there's like smaller mazes that they give you for test data. Like here's a tiny maze and here's the fastest path. And so you can take okay. that and like try and use it to solve uh, your algorithm. And it'll tell you like, here's how many steps it should take. Um, and then some of them like that spring droid problem you saw they're they're like a big like paragraphs and paragraphs of explanation of what you're supposed to do yeah. and here's some test cases and stuff like that so just reading the problem and understanding it could sometimes take 15 30 45 minutes you know because like you know i'm going to work um i gotta eat <laughs> you know i gotta <laughs> gotta get up and, and do housework and chores and stuff and so fitting that in especially in christmas time is like such a busy time because you want to see family yeah. and you're going to see lights and going shopping and all this stuff. So I would like read it in the morning, go to work or, or go hang out with my family or something and be thinking about how to solve the problem all day and then come home and okay. spend like three or four hours trying to crack it at night and then right, wow. make a video about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I made a whole playlist and, and if anybody out there is interested uh, you can watch and see, like, I read over the problem. I don't read it to you, but I talk about what they're asking for in the problem and then, like, how I solved it. And then I jump into my code and show, like, what I did, uh, which is good because I'm sure I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how I solved a lot of these. But <laughs> um, I tell you, like, the certain days that uh, really stumped me. And I I've got a list of them where they were, like, just totally, they were beyond me, a couple of them. Yeah, you told me you had to like Google or uh, not look for an answer or something for a couple of them. The math was crazy. There, there was a couple like one of them. I think day four. Uh, they're asking you to parse a string, and the string is numbers or whatever. And the basically, you you kind of live and die on the test cases. And if they give you test cases that aren't very good, then sometimes you, you misunderstand what they're talking about and then you don't 
it's like becomes really hard to, to solve it from there. And day four was one of those spots where they were trying to tell you like you need to have um, you can only have a set of two repeated numbers in this string of numbers. And it wasn't clear if like three of the same number was a passing case or a failing case or if four was passing or failing or something like that. Or if like two different sets of numbers was pass or fail. So they only gave you, I think, three examples in the second half. And basically I went on Reddit and looked and was like, what the hell are, first of all, what are they asking for? And then second, like, how do I do this algorithm that I'm looking for? Cause I was so frustrated at that point. I'd spent so many hours on it. Um, I, I just was like short for time and, and didn't know what I was doing wrong. Plus being new at Python. So yeah. that day I ended up looking at somebody's solution on Reddit and was like, what am I doing wrong? And when I saw it, I was like, man, I was doing this the dumbest way possible. And this person <laughs> did it like the easiest way possible. So that that was a real low point. Um, day 22, the one that you mentioned before with the math, was another low point where they ask you to shuffle cards. So they give you um, the test cases are like an array of cards. And the cards are like uh, zero to 10,000. They say you have like a space deck of cards and a standard deck has 10,000 cards in it. And so they give you a bunch of operations. Like one of them is reverse the cards, basically. So you just call like array reverse. Super easy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, on part two, they're like, okay, great. You left your card making machine on and it created a hundred trillion cards. Oh my God. Now go ahead and <laughs> do your shuffle operation to really practice a hundred trillion times. And so all of a sudden, like if you coded it, the naive way, which I did, um, calling like a ray dot reverse, it takes the computer like literal years to reverse a hundred trillion numbers. Ask, did your computer just melt? <laughs> no, it would just run and then it would run and run and run. I'd come back like five minutes later and look at it and be like, you had a stack overflow exception because you uh, ran out of memory. So uh, Python and JavaScript and stuff, um, thankfully it won't lock up your computer. <laughs> It'll just kill your process. So, um, back in the day, uh, if you were running on a computer and you, you coded poorly, like it could kill your main thread and like, you'd have to reboot the computer. Um, but yeah. nowadays that's not as much of a problem, but yeah, that, that was one where, um, you couldn't actually do the array operations. You had to figure out a mathematical formula to represent the shuffle operations. And so I got like halfway okay. through the second half of that and was stumped. And so then I cheated and looked online and people were like, I have a master's in math and I don't think this is fair. And I was like, well, I guess <laughs> I'm not going to get it. <laughs> so they've, this has been done in the past, right? So is there a set for like 2018, 2017? Yeah. Yeah. So if you, um, if you go on adventacode.com, you can do 2019 still. I think it started in 2015. So you can go all the way back uh, four or five years and start with the beginning and do all the problems. Um, and there's even sites where fans have gotten on and there's a leaderboard for the top 100 people and it has their completion times on there. So it'll oh, okay. it'll show you a... Um, actually, I, I could probably bring it up. There was this, uh, this guy that made a visualization of it and it basically had like a scatter plot of... Um, how long it took people to solve it. I can't pull it up off 
off of here right now, but um, okay. Basically, it was like a bar graph, and the taller the the graph, the longer it was taking people. And oh, okay. so you can see for each year what problems were the hardest, basically, kind of roughly based on the graph. And um, for this year, like twenty two day twenty two was like through the roof. It took people like three hours in the top one hundred to solve it. Um, wow. But yeah, it required modular arithmetic, which is um, a branch of mathematics that's for uh, either calculating extremely large numbers or cryptography. So um, I am not a crypto expert as a front-end developer. <laughs> uh, I don't have a master's in math. Um, this was something that was beyond like somebody that has a a bachelor's in computer science. Like, Okay. People that solved it told me they would not expect an undergraduate in computer science or mathematics to be able to solve that. So oh, wow. it was a, an extremely difficult problem. So for part two of that, I absolutely copied somebody's code off Reddit and plugged it in and was like, <laughs> I got this code from this person. Here's their repo and ran it and was like, done, peace. Um, I did learn a little bit about modular arithmetic from that, just reading other people's solutions and blog posts on it and stuff. So okay. that was good, um, but I still couldn't solve it. Like I understand the steps that they took to solve it, but I don't know how to do that math. It's mm-hmm. it's beyond me. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that that one wasn't fair. Like most of them are not <laughs> like that at all. Most of them are like, okay. did you use an array for this? Well, you messed up. You need to go use a set, or <laughs> you need to go use a dictionary or something. So okay. Um. Cool. Yeah, I learned a lot of um algorithms and data structure and like when to do this and when not to do this kind of stuff. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what to ask next. Um, (laughs) uh, I'll just say that, um, the stuff that I learned when I was doing it, uh, obviously I learned Python, like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable writing a, a command line program in Python now. Um, I basically learned the value of using a dictionary or a hash map versus a, a list or an array. I learned when to use a set and when that's useful. Uh, I learned how to use tuples. Um, also learned breadth first search and depth first search uh, through all the mazes that they had and Dijkstra's algorithm, which is another like graph um, pathfinding problem or algorithm. So okay. uh, I learned a, a lot of stuff through it and I, I feel like it made me a better programmer. I'm going through all the problems, but I'll also say that out out of all the communities that I went through or that I started this and they were doing it at the same time that I was, uh, one other person finished all the the challenges. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot of smart people jumped on and they're like, I'm going to learn Rust. I'm going to learn Go. Um, Or I'm going to learn Python or whatever. A lot of them jumped on and decided to do it in another language. Uh, or people are just doing it. They've been longtime programmers and they're just doing it in Java or whatever. Uh, one other person went through all of them with me. Wow. And I, again, I did cheat on like one or two days. Like they just, they beat me and, and I had to <laughs> like a lot of them, I asked for help and I was like, Hey, am I on the right path? Like, can you throw me some hints from some people that were working on it with me? Um, mm-hmm. and I don't really think that that's cheating, but like, 
day 22, I absolutely 100% copied somebody's code and pasted it. And it was like, <laughs> basically F this, uh, give me the answer. Just like you would do on Stack Overflow. Like, hey, how do I crunch this yeah, stupid number? Yeah. I'm like, all right, you just do this. So um, that that was the one day that, that really got me, and I, I gave up on it. Uh, but otherwise, I, I pretty much got the solutions for the rest of them with some help. So That's cool. So you're going to do it again next year? Man, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> I, I got pretty frustrated at some of them. Um, I was chewing on a, a ballpoint pen. Uh, for one of the problems, and I I literally got so mad that I bit through the pen, so it was just like so ink all over your face. No, thankfully I didn't like get ink all over myself, but I definitely crunched the hell out of that pen, and uh, I was just super worked up over like so so frustrated that I couldn't solve this problem. Because you know you 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 get into something, and you're like, man, am I am I dumb? Is this really is this problem really <laughs> better than me? You know, you get all worked up over it, and. Uh, so it, it definitely got my goat on that on that day. Wow. So I don't know if I would do it again next year. Plus, like the time to to solve all those, like it was fun and it was good practice, but I didn't learn like the really useful stuff in Python. Like I know how to how to write an app, uh, like a command line app, but like I don't know how to use Flask. I didn't learn how to use Django. I didn't learn machine learning. I didn't learn. Um, numpy or any of these other libraries that are like super useful for python yeah um it doesn't require that it's just like you could use anything you could use the console in your browser uh you could use a sheet of paper like that one maniac um <laughs> it's it's like a, a general problem so they, they can't overfit it to a certain language or um ecosystem like that where you would need like a web browser or a server or something like that which is the stuff that we would do, you know, day to day as programmers. Um, mm -hmm. This is totally different from that. It's uh, it's more of like computational stuff. So can you crunch this problem <clears throat> with this massive data set and then get the answer at the end in a reasonable amount of time? So those problems are out there and they happen. Um, like people doing image processing or something like you have a large, you know, set of data, like all these pixels or all these files or whatever. And so those, those it's, it's cool to be able to touch some of that stuff as somebody that never gets to play with any of that. Um, but on the flip side, like, I don't feel like I learned a whole lot of useful Python stuff. Like I know how to write a dumb Python program that, you know, I could feed it like some inputs or something. Like I can read it from a file or something, you know? Um, yeah that's about the extent of what I learned as far as like Python, but I know all the data structures and everything in there and all the, like the string methods and all that. That's cool. You got something out of it. So yeah. It makes it worth I can it. definitely read Python code now and kind of understand what's going on. Awesome. So yeah, let's, uh, let's jump into to nerd minute since, uh, we beat this, uh, advent of code to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have anything? Uh, yeah, man, there's there's been a lot of stuff that I've watched recently, but I don't know if I can remember any of it. Um, did we t did we talk about Star Wars at all? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, what? Oh, okay. I saw yeah. the Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, I thought we we did talk about that, right? I think we talked about that with Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was uh was Rise of Skywalker good? Did you see it? I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't great. Um, they do a lot to uh, kind of erase that last movie. So no spoilers, but uh, you liked it? 
no no spoilers but yeah um yeah i liked it there's some stuff i wasn't too crazy about um over the three i um force awakens still my favorite the first one uh yeah yeah the first one's a lot better um but it's okay it's it's enjoyable um yeah it 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 would take a lot to be worse than the last movie (laughs) so i've Uh, I've watched a lot of uh star wars fans talk about like the new trilogy and stuff and there's definitely like a lot of just toxic uh almost unjustified hatred about the movies where people are just like yeah man i and they like can name off disney executives and stuff and i'm like i don't even know who this person is but this guy's really <laughs> mad at this person um and then like people have like cut together interviews of mark hamill just like staring into the camera and stuff um because he's oh. like trying to say like he was so distraught and like upset over this role um and was he who knows you know it's it's the internet oh, okay. you know like i said people are, are jump cutting I don't think stuff together so just from what i've seen on like i i think twitter and instagram i don't think he takes it super seriously i don't think so either i think he's kind of over it yeah. at this point he's just yeah. just happy to be playing the character but um yeah yeah the the last jedi um had a lot of problems uh, yeah. it kind of undid a lot of a lot of the original trilogy and so that was problematic. Like basically the way they treated Luke was not great. At least yeah, like, like if it. you were a fan of the original trilogy and then you come back and like all of a sudden Luke is like fearful of his apprentice. He's seeing the bad stuff in him. And like the original tri- yeah. trilogy was all about him seeing the good in Darth Vader, um, who actually was like this monster that like murdered a bunch of people and destroyed planets and, you know, just like really bad stuff. Whereas his yeah. apprentice, like, he sensed a disturbance in the force that he might do that stuff. And like, he was ready to kill him <laughs> with a lightsaber. So that wasn't great. Um, I, I kind of can appreciate that. Like, you know, Luke is human. He's fallible and all this stuff. But uh, at the same time, he didn't come across as like the Jedi master that you kind of hoped for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, that movie but um <laughs> my favorite part of that movie is just the the end uh the that battle on that planet uh with the salt i think it's with the red sand underneath yeah and stuff like that yeah so that, that's i just like the way it looks basically his his confrontation with kylo ren i think was really well done uh, i don't really have any anything bad to say about that like yeah i'm disappointed that they kind of like killed his character off but yeah um the showdown between him and Kylo Ren, like that felt like the Jedi master. Right. Whereas him yeah. drinking like green milk and stuff was just dumb. <laughs> Tossing his own lightsaber or his father's lightsaber over his shoulder and stuff uh, was kind of like comedic for no reason. Yeah. Um, and then the whole, like there, are, there's a lot of problems with the movies. <laughs> just throw that yeah. out there. But uh, yeah. So rise of skywalker you liked it or did they do it justice or? i i i liked was it was there any gambling um, did they go to the gambling planet because that was totally no, useless no. in the previous one no <laughs> <laughs> it's as if it never happened um i heard they that that character the i forget her name rose uh yes. she didn't have like any screen time in rise of skywalker she's she's in it um not a ton 
She's like in bits and pieces. If you uh, if you want that whole love story is just like really never addressed. Just erased completely. Yeah, they talk to each other. They don't act like they love each other. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, if you want to see like people get angry on the internet, Google her character name and it'll oh, just be yeah. videos and videos of like, we don't need this character. She's dumb. We don't like her and all this stuff. So that I don't feel like that was fair. Um, no, I mean she's not the reason that movie was you know bad or whatever. There. There are other problems with that movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, but Rise of Skywalker it was cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, the ending reminded me a lot of uh, what's a Endgame. Interesting. Yeah, when you see it, you'll see what I mean. Cryptic. There's a cryptic spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a yeah. There's a there are a lot of similarities there, um, yeah it was it was enjoyable. I wasn't a, I, after hearing a Brian said, <laughs> uh, when we had him on the show, and then I after that I went on Rotten Tomatoes to see what the score was, and it was, I think it was in a, uh, it was low uh, because it wasn't a tomato anymore. I know that much. Uh, I forget uh, what the score was, but it wasn't great. So I was like, eh, I'll just go. Hopefully it's better than the last one. And it was. So <laughs> I got what I wanted. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot. Uh, expectations really low. Uh, and it helps because I enjoyed the movie. <laughs> uh, it Same thing happened with uh, Solo because I, I really like Solo. Okay. Yeah, um, I thought that one was you, good. Yeah, because everyone is complaining about that one too. And I really like that movie. I don't think that that one was bad at all. It no, was... neither do I. It wasn't like earth shattering, but I mean that was the movie that made them stop making side stories. It's kind of crazy. So, yeah. So, um, I don't think I have anything else. Uh, I think we've we've kind of no? dished on Star Wars long enough, but uh, okay. Clone Wars coming back. That's gonna be good. Yeah, I've never watched that. Is that good? Like, I tried to watch it, it a little uh, bit on YouTube, but I wasn't crazy about I, it. So I watched um, a little bit of season one, but I was really into uh, Star Wars Rebels, which is a really good show. Um, and I think the creative people that worked on the Clone Wars also worked on Rebels. I, um, I might be getting that wrong, hmm. but um, but yeah, the uh, I really like Rebels, and uh, so I might go back and watch some of the Clone Wars stuff. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Anakin. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I like uh, what's her name? Uh, I forgot his apprentice is really cool. I didn't know Sora, Anakin had an apprentice. Yeah, yeah, that's the one of the. She's one of the, the main characters of that series. Hmm. It's the girl with the two lightsabers, and she holds them backwards. You never seen her? She has blue and white hair, or whatever that. It's not hair. I got nothing. She was in Rebels as well, um, but as an older person because this takes place after. The original trilogy, mm. um, I think, or just before I forget. Anyways, but yeah, it's it's cool. Oh, I'll throw out uh real quick uh, before we cut this uh, Cobra Kai. Um, oh, did you I watch see you that? making that face. I see that face. <laughs> uh, that was the oh that show. You watched that crap? That's what that face was. <laughs> uh, it was excellent. Um, you wouldn't really? think it like you 
you kind of watch the trailers and you're like, this is dumb. This is hammy. Um, but it isn't. It's it's really a good show. Um, it's about the... Karate Kid. Yeah, but not Karate Kid. It's the other guy, right? The guy well, that he fought? Ralph Macchio is in it. Um, oh, okay. And he is playing his same character. And Johnny okay. Lawrence is playing uh, Johnny Lawrence. Uh, from so it's the same actors um, playing the same characters just picked up like I don't know 30 years I think Karate Kid takes place in 84 and so this okay. is I'm bad at math but 30 or 40 years later and uh, everybody's all grown up um, Karate Kid has his own car dealership where he sells luxury <laughs> cars uh, the kid that he kicked in the face at the end of Karate Kid uh, is basically a handyman and lives in a one-bedroom apartment and has pretty bad uh alcoholism <laughs> and it's it's just so no one's doing karate anymore yeah not like uh danny larusso is doing his karate shtick on commercials for his car dealership but that's about it uh and then just like karate wait, kid where mr wait Miyagi, a minute. so in this world he did he become famous for karate he did yeah karate? yeah he became famous as like the champion from that uh match in the 80s <laughs> So he's doing like karate moves in his commercials. That's funny. And he's on the committee uh, for that karate tournament um, that's still going on every year. Um, okay. They kind of play it up like it was a big deal in the in the valley. Um, but yeah, it, it starts out with uh, Johnny Lawrence being kind of this dirtbag, and he's he kind of lives off of uh, cores and um gas station pizza and so he's eating gas station pizza like in you know some raggedy clothes or whatever and this kid that moved in next to him uh, gets picked on by some kids from school and so he gets caught up in it and ends up kicking the asses of all these teenagers basically (laughs) and so then he decides like after some back and forth to teach this kid karate and so he opens up the cobra kai dojo again and that kind of all goes from there and then okay. naturally, Dan LaRusso sees it. He's like all upset because, you know, that school taught these kids to be jerks, basically. And yeah, so there's there's a lot of drama wrapped up in that. But the way that they do the show, it, it really subverts your expectations um, and kind of plays with the idea of right and wrong. And like, who's who's the aggressor? and Who's the bully and, and stuff like that, where the original movies were very straightforward and black and white about that. Um where all the kids in Cobra Kai were the bullies and then, you know, Danny Luso yeah. was the hero. Well, on this one, all the kids in Cobra Kai are nerds that got picked on and then they learn to fight and then they become bullies through the show. So you see them oh, okay. picking on other kids. And so, um, <clears throat> there's kind of this interesting morality to it where you get to see these kids transform and the school transform and basically Johnny Lawrence learning from his past mistakes and kind of grappling with his own ethics. Like, should you have mercy on your opponent or should you not? And should you be the aggressor or, you know, is it honorable to attack somebody that, you know, has like a hurt shoulder or something like that. So Mm -hmm. it kind of grapples with that a lot, which is awesome. And then also, uh, there's a lot of rivalry between the karate kid and the kid he kicked in the face, Johnny Lawrence, um, where they end up 
coming together and you know there's a lot of fighting between them not physically but okay. like a lot of conflict between them but then a lot of times where they get matched up and they'll go find themselves enjoying each other's company and like almost becoming friends and then something else happens between their students and then they're at odds again so it's it's a really interesting show and i didn't expect it to be like that it didn't i didn't expect it to have that many layers to it when i went into it and so i was i was really found myself enjoying it a lot that's cool does anyone do the crane kick yes really yes the crane kick is in there (laughs) a couple of times so i think a a student from cobra kai does it um just to mess with daniel russo oh okay like he wins a match by doing a crane kick against some other kid oh how does that even work (laughs) yeah it was it was pretty interesting so that's so dumb so check it out it's good all right cool well that's all i got for this one uh we can cut it there all right, cool. And I don't know if we... How do we end the show? I don't even know. <laughs> Say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tech Junior. Please head over to our website at techjunior.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. It goes out once a week with the latest episode and some goodies we think you guys would like. If you want to support the show, please become a Patreon subscriber. Special thanks to all our current patrons. And uh, we have a Teespring store now, and uh, you can buy some Tech Junior swag designed by myself and Lee. Uh, You can find links to all these things on our website under support. Please follow us on Twitter at Tech Junior Podcast. You can also follow me at Ed Otero, uh, the O's are zeros, and Lee at Lee Warwick Jr. Um, next week, I'm actually not sure what we're going to have, but uh, I think we're going to be talking about React. So uh, stay tuned for that. And thanks a lot, guys.